This is the Empowered Athlete Podcast, hosted by yours truly, the one and only Natty Boss, lifelong athlete, sports dietitian, breathwork facilitator, personal development junkie, and holistic performance coach. This podcast is here to change the paradigm of what it means to be a high-performance athlete. The intention and mission of this podcast is to help you create freedom, clarity, and balance in your life while giving you the tools to heal yourself, improve your well-being, and optimize performance. I believe that in order to reach our highest potential in this human experience, we must unlearn and let go of everything we've been conditioned to believe about ourselves and the world so that we can truly tap into what our divine path is and have the courage to pursue the curriculum of our soul. It's my hope that after every episode, you feel activated and empowered to make change in your life that supports you in operating from a place of alignment of who you're meant to be. Get ready for major shifts and transformation. It's time to dive in. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Empowered Athlete Podcast. In today's episode, we have a very special guest, Miss Alex Rodriguez. She is a black belt. She has many, many accolades and uh, titles that we'll be discussing, but she's a black belt and her goal is to become a professional athlete. So I think the conversations that we're going to have today is really along just her journey and her evolution and the switches and transitions that she's recently been in to pursue this goal. And I know a lot of us deeply desire to, you know, in some other world, if not this one, become a professional jiu-jitsu athlete. And it's really inspiring to hear when people take that leap because often it requires a lot of courage, a lot of unknown factors, a lot of, again, making those choices and transitions that can be a little scary for people. But I believe that when we speak to people and we see evidence that other people are doing it, it makes it a little bit easier for us to maybe believe that we can do it if it is something we truly desire. Um, So she's really young, you know, she's only 23. So for her to really shoot for the stars at this age is so awesome. And I'm so excited for her to share her story and to offer her insight and wisdom um, for her experience. And so a little bit about Alex. So she started jujitsu at Knuckle Up Fitness at the age of 11, around 2010 under Steve Mitchell and began wrestling at Cambridge High School for four years under Don St. James. She continued in college for two more seasons under Christian and Ashley Flavin and graduated with an exercise science degree at Life University in 2021. Congrats on that. I know making it through college nowadays is a little tough, so awesome. She received her black belt under Bruno Frazzato and Nathan Hadley in December 2011. 2020. 2021 or 20. There we go. 2021. Wow, I totally messed up numbers there. (laughs) <laughs> After making the switch, I was like, that doesn't add up. Like she's in <laughs> um, 2021 after making the switch to Autos Atlanta, which we're going to be discussing in 2020 and some of her accomplishments, which is not an exhaustive list is her multiple gi and no gi pan American titles at orange, purple, and brown belts in both the weight and open class 2021 IBJJF no gi world's title at brown belt, her recent win at no gi pans. Uh, this year at Black Belt, which is awesome accomplishment. Is that your first Black Belt tournament? Um, first IBJJF like major. Yeah. yeah, I think yeah. major. I was able to do a few, like a handful of tournaments at Black Belt in January, and then, um, but I think first IBJJF major. Yeah, amazing, amazing. And then also a world's medalist in gi at blue and brown belt. 
2021 ADCC East Coast Trials runner-up at the under 60 kg division, three times Georgia girls folk style state champion, correct? Uh, correct. And yes. three times high school folk style, freestyle, All-American, and 2020 WCWA All-American. She started strength training and lifting under Monique Travis at the age of 14. She's been teaching jujitsu and kickboxing since 16. And so she has obviously been doing this for a while. And her goals, like we said, is really to become a professional athlete. And some of her specific goals are to be a multiple black belt world champion in gi and no gi, hold an ADCC title in her hands, and become a notable jujitsu coach and instructor that helps athletes really just reach their fitness and sport goals. So that's a little bit about Alex from my perspective. And so um, welcome to the show, Alex. Thank you for having me. Thank you. I'm super excited. So why don't we just start off for those who don't really know your background, a little bit about you and your story and how you got started in jujitsu. So I got started in jujitsu because of my older brother. Um, my older brother, his name is Kevin. He's uh, he's my half brother. He's about eleven years older than me. When we we lived in the Philippines, as he was getting older, he was always wanting to fight. Like he was like wanting to be an MMA fighter, and I had no idea what that was. And so when we moved to the states, he was trying to find a gym. He ended up actually at like a Lifetime Fitness. And then did like the boxing program there and then just took an MMA fight in Florida. And when he was 18 and my mom was like, what are you doing? But okay. Uh, And then he surprisingly found um, the owner of Knuckle Up Fitness while he was in Florida, even though we were all from Georgia. Knuckle Up is a a Georgia gym and found the owner, CJ Wilson. And CJ had brought him back, told him, hey, you should come train here at an actual MMA gym. Um, and so eventually, uh, fast forward, me being in sixth grade, my parents were always trying to find something after school curricular or something for me to do so I wouldn't be home all the time. And uh, um, my brother eventually uh, got me to go try out a class. And then the very first class, I like absolutely loved it. I was like, what is this? Like, this is so cool. And, and I was just hooked from there. So were the first classes that you took jujitsu or kickboxing or wrestling? Oh, actually, the very first class I walked into, um, I guess I went on the wrong day of like the kids class and it was like supposed to be a kid's striking class. So it was just me and Steve and he ran me through this like a striking uh striking class um and it was like the first time I've ever done like kickboxing or anything of the sort and it was like the most intense workout I've ever been like as a 10 year old I was like this is this is insane I was like dripping in sweat and then he's like you should come back tomorrow for the jiu-jitsu class and I mean I I still had fun I guess I I was still an active kid I've always liked sports from a young age and so I came back the next day and then tried out the jiu-jitsu class and uh I loved it I we were actually learning how to jump closed guard back then first day jump closed guard I was like he's just like you just have to commit like just throw your head back and commit and my partner at the time it was so funny like he he I guess like he wasn't like super brand new but he just like wasn't catching me and then he was just like just throw your head back so I was like okay I gotta throw my head back and I kept hitting my head on the floor because he wasn't catching me and so it like scarred me from jumping guard for like the first year of my jujitsu uh career (laughs) which is 
but now it's it's totally fine but it was just a funny incident and I still continued with it obviously but yeah it was just funny yeah I saw you actually jumped guard in one of your matches I think it was uh at Noogie Pans yeah yeah I actually yeah I felt long like, legs yeah and I tried to I, I tried to jump like a flying triangle I I like had it locked up for a second and then as soon as we hit the ground she was able to posture up and I was like oh I tried yeah yeah that's the first step is just having the the balls to yeah <laughs> to jump it yeah awesome so since you started at a young age, I'm curious, and I'm sure other listeners are curious too, what are some of the biggest shifts you've noticed in the jiu-jitsu industry since starting as a kid to where you're at now? Oh, definitely. There's been a lot of changes. Um, and I think a lot of them are positive. Um, it's just the fundamentals, like starting with the fundamentals I learned then versus the fundamentals everyone is learning now is just like uh, not entirely different, but definitely modernize and like um change to become more efficient and all that to to adapt to like the you know evolving jujitsu and I think it's really cool to see because uh when I teach the kids class sometimes they're they're learning the same stuff I'm learning at the same time because some of them are so advanced and it's it's like cool to see but also like I can't believe you guys are learning this at the same time I'm learning this. And it's yeah. just awesome because when I go out to uh, like kids pans to help coach and stuff, it's like the level of jujitsu in the kids is, is crazy. They're like mini black belts. Some of yeah. them like uh, orange and green belts is like no joke. Even yellow, honestly, is no joke. Um, and it, it's just really cool to see. I think uh, the biggest shifts are just like, the the skill the technique um there was uh general stuff like the new belt system for kids I I didn't have gray belt back then when I was a kid and it was just white yellow orange green and now they have all these like in-between belts the gray white gray full solid gray gray black stuff like that yeah that's for the most part I think biggest notices I'm uh I've seen are in the kids uh yeah. nowadays yeah and I'm curious when you were you know a kid in, in your ranks was competition encouraged as much as it is today the same amount or do you think it's been increased or decreased um I think uh I, I don't know I can't speak for all gyms but in our uh the current gym I'm at now uh I we do uh, encourage competition, uh, uh, especially for the kids that train more consistently. And yeah. it's like, I, they see a lot of potential or like they're, the kids are serious about it. Then we'll, we won't like push them, push them, but there will bring up the idea of like, Hey, like you should, if you want to, there's a competition and yeah. I think you should try it because you know, why not? And, uh, the, uh, back then my coach, when I started actually pushed competitions for me too. And I, I actually did my first Naga, my first competition at like before the end of my first month of jujitsu. Oh, wow. It was crazy. But I like, luckily jujitsu was something that just kind of came natural to me. I think it was just like easy in the beginning. So uh, fortunately my first tournament, I was able to like to win. Yeah. And, so really cool um, really fun for me 
Yeah, there's something interesting too, like just kids with the way jujitsu evolves too. I think that I'm learning this actually a lot with my son watching him. He's obviously not even two yet, but he already does like jujitsu naturally yeah. and jujitsu movements. Yes. And it really makes me think a lot. Like now being black belt too, I actually look at him to study his movement mm. because as kids, we're not really influenced by like the world yeah. yet. So our like receptivity and ability to like understand the movements, even if they're complicated, seems to just be like so accelerated compared to adults also because we're not behind screens all day you know having worked at computers for 20 years and then got into jujitsu they're so limber and just like being and a lot of jujitsu is just being in the moment which kids are literally experts at 100 percent. i think i've talked to about that a little bit about that topic with my strength trainer mo and she's like yeah you look at babies they have the perfect squat every time like they know how to squat and it's like, as we get older, then things kind of get wonky, but like they, they just, their body, the way they move is just perfect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's crazy. So I wanted to know a little bit, I am, um, as we talked a little bit before this, you know, I'm judo player at heart. So I'm a top player. I love the takedowns and you obviously have some wrestling experience too, but you also dabble in, um, some guard jumping and things like that. Mm-hmm. But I'm curious, just given your wrestling background, what's your position on takedowns and pulling guard and particularly how you like to approach it as well? Yeah. Uh, so I, I've really honestly in the recent year or so really focused on trying to become as well-rounded as possible to be strong in every single field or part of the game. So in a competition sense for, for takedown versus guard pulling, I just, I try to my best to strategize based on my opponents so that I could put myself in the best position to win the match. So we do a lot of homework and film game studying, tape studying, so that, you know, make the easiest route. And I feel like at every professional sport, uh, they'll do that. Like, that's a big, that's a common theme is like, you know, yeah. put yourself in a position so that you are ready, uh, best ready. Uh, but uh, in the gym and stuff, I, I, I try to train whatever I'm, I'm lacking in mostly. So uh, let's say I'm, I'm learning this new takedown and I'm trying to really implement it. I just keep trying to hit it in, in training against everybody and stuff. Yeah. So, so that, you know, put myself in those uncomfortable positions because it's just training, right? It doesn't, yeah. it doesn't, uh, doesn't matter. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. And I think so many people just needed to hear that one statement because so many people take it so personal and serious and that's where it should be fun and you should be learning and growing and trying new things and you're willing to put yourself out there and and even if you fail in it you're more likely to have the courage to try it in a competition setting because you've at least tried and failed over and over and over and can make those adjustments but if you just ever if you just always hold back Mm. then of course you're not going to execute in competition I mean like because no prior failures and adjustments that you've made. So exactly. Yeah. And one of the things that I was curious on your thoughts when it comes to super fights, I understand studying your opponent because you usually have one person, right? When it comes to competition, how do you approach that that technique study? Do you just focus on your first match in the bracket that you see, or do you kind of study everyone in the bracket? Even if you go up against them. 
Yeah, so it's tough. Like, of course, like you said, super fights, you you know your opponent, and it's much easier to study and game plan for them. When it comes to bigger, like, tournament-style um, matches where, like, you know, you know, you don't really know. Like, sometimes, like, I be Jeff, you don't know your bracket until a couple of days before. And so I start, like, I've already started, uh, like, for Nogi Pants, for example, I started game planning for, I just look at the, competitor list and I just watch matches uh with I watch matches by myself and then I watch matches with my coaches to kind of start seeing any trends in in each of my competitors game and yeah it, it it's it's it takes some time it's a little tedious sometimes but um I try to I think the more I've, I've done it now it kind of takes out um before I know some people might don't like watching opponents and stuff it makes them feel nervous and stuff yeah. and, and uh yeah it, it's true it does it sometimes it makes you feel a certain type of way but I think the more you do it and the more you kind of take out that like it's going past the nerves it's like you're trying to make yourself best prepared as possible yeah. then you won't then it's not so much like the nerves but more so like okay this is part of my study this is part of my like my class or like I try to look at jujitsu as like a continuing education so yeah that like it's like um so like a gym is your academy you know yeah. so it's like okay it's part of my study it's part of my classes so that I could get to that doctorate level or something yeah I think maybe like where there's nerves come from from a lot of people which I did experience at blue belt a lot mm -hmm. is like the internalization of watching those matches so basically immediately comparing yourself and your game to those people versus just seeing it as objective information that you're gathering like this is just information I'm gathering it doesn't mm -hmm. mean like because then the stories start coming in around like oh god this girl's really good in an arm bar like she's probably yeah. going to be in an arm bar right it's like mm -hmm. no just just view from an objective perspective what are the trends like you said what are you noticing and then just take that objective information and then like see where your holes are and like add it but like take yourself out of it and like that personal aspect out of it yes uh, I 100% agree I think that's a great way to look at it so that you're not psyching yourself out but exactly you're just, you're studying <laughs> yes I love that so without giving too much away for any opponents that you might be facing <laughs> what what would you describe as your BJJ style and do you feel that your body type influences your style and oh. has your style evolved or changed since you originally started I'm sure it has just with yeah. the general, you know, the way jujitsu is, but I'm curious to hear how that has been for you. So uh, I really thought about this question um, when you first uh, asked me about it. And so I'd say like, if you asked me maybe even just like a year ago or a couple of years ago at like Brown Belt, I was very top heavy pressure passing and chokes were like my big thing. And I, it still is now, like, that's probably what I've, spent most of my career so far on is those things um and i think it, it i think the influences came from um like your initial body type and what your coach uh your coach you know teaches you in the beginning especially <coughs> excuse me especially as a as a white belt um is like has has a lot of influence because of your your natural instincts your athleticism but as you uh develop skills and really work on 
different aspects of your game and stuff. I think what I've learned at the the highest levels and trying to study more like the successful people and not just not just jujitsu but like sports in general or even not even sports but just in in um you know business life whatever yeah. is that um they really like your ability to really work on things that you uh that you might not be good at um if you really work hard on those things like you can make it to where it can become you know something that you're not so weak at or even exactly. something like for me I I I was never a really athletic person in the beginning I think I had a, a lot of learned athleticism through the help of like my strength trainer and stuff wow. I started strength training at 14 so I had a lot of time to develop that and I think it's a great thing to start at a younger age where you can develop great habits and it's easier to learn when you're younger you're more moldable yeah. um and so I wasn't like I'm not super fast I'm not super flexible um I've but and I wasn't really strong and now I I feel like at my for my body type, my, my weight and stuff, my versus, versus other competitors, I feel I'm very strong now. I feel pretty fast, um, which is something I never thought I would be. Um, mm. I'm still not that flexible. That part we have to, <laughs> we're going to keep working on, but it's, it's, it's so funny that like, yes, your body type in the beginning might influence how you play jujitsu. Like a heavy guy will have a heavy game, but it's so funny that I learned pressure passing and my, my original coach, Steve Mitchell, he's a big dude, but he learned pressure passing from 150 pound dude. Yeah. So it, it was cool to see, like, it's not like just because you're big, you're going to have this, like, uh, you, you're not always going to be set. Like you're going to be a big pressure passer. You're going to be just a heavy guy. Uh, because that's what people tell you. Like you're big, you're going to be a, exactly. you're gonna play a heavy game. But you can play a heavy game and what will make you more dangerous is that if you learn how to move like a lightweight and that's what that's what uh, I think what I'm trying to work on, too, is just becoming that full, like, ideally, like the whole perfect athlete where it's just like dangerous everywhere, you know, Um, so that's the goal. And so body type. And, you know, it does have an influence in the beginning, but I feel like if you really want to work on something, you can make it happen. 100%. I really like the underlying message of really just anything that you deem as a weakness or inadequacy about yourself, you have the power to make it a strength. Mm-hmm. You have the power to make it a strength if it's something you really desire. You know, one of the things that this is more technically based, but I was always an athlete growing up. So I was always athletic, but from a technical perspective, we can either like let ourselves get beat up when we get beaten or use that as fuel to like get better at that thing. And I remember when I first got my blue belt, my first tournament was Pan Ams. Oh and wow. <laughs> it was it was a rough one to go right in at Pan Ams and do it. It's I got awesome. the girl pool guard really quick. She went shin to shin, which I never saw before that point, and then immediately kicked my leg out, went for a triangle, triangled oh. in 30 seconds. Oh, I cried for a week. <laughs> <laughs> but I immediately once I got out of that was basically like I'm going to master this triangle yeah never going to happen again and so Mm -hmm. like it can go two directions we can just be upset by that or 
you know, really be like, okay, what did I do wrong? I wasn't aware of this thing. Now I'm going to master it, you know, and that's from a technical perspective, but like just really utilizing those things and what, whether you deem it as a weakness within yourself or other people are are telling you it's a weakness, it's up to you to really decide Mm -hmm. what's a weakness and what's a strength, you know, and really listen to yourself over other people. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. I love that uh, perspective. And it's like, you can see in the gym, I think it's, it's very f- much more fun for a, a coach to see that. Um, and awesome to see uh, like the, the athlete that is like very um, humble and driven and not like the less stubborn they are, the, or the less of an ego they have. It's, you see those athletes are the ones that gain more success faster um, yeah. in their games because you know they're open to the criticism. They're trying new things in their game, even if it means like not winning all the time, especially in training. Because you know, if you're the goal is to put you to you know get better in training so that when competition comes, then you're you're ready. You know. Exactly. Exactly. So we talked a little bit, obviously, that you cross-train. You mentioned weightlifting and everything. And so um, what does that look like for you? What is your training split, you know, to balance out your hard training? How often are you training jujitsu as being a full-time athlete? Mm -hmm. And then what's that supplemental training look like for you? So I think I've, this jujitsu schedule, I've I've kind of always been full-time since I started, whether it was full-time jujitsu or when I wrestled, then it was full-time wrestling. Uh, never really took a break other than like if I had surgery or something then you know but um, I think I've had this relatively the same schedule except for any any time like uh, Bruno asked me like okay do we need to change this in our schedule or if there's like bigger tournaments like ADCC trials or something or or Nogi Worlds like this is what we're gonna do this is the schedule so we plan it out but it's been mostly um, like twice, uh, I trained jujitsu pretty much at the actual training sessions, not just teaching, but yeah. training sessions are like twice, twice a day, Monday, Monday, Tuesday, um, off from, off from training jujitsu Wednesday, and then two, two days on Thursday, um, one a day on Friday, one a day on Saturday, and then off on Sunday. And then I lift on, um Mondays in the middle of the day um then Wednesdays and I actually do jujitsu with Mo on Wednesdays too so I'm always I feel like I'm always doing something I'm always doing jujitsu every day but yeah. like in terms of like my actual training where I could be very selfish yeah. and focus on my stuff is 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 those days but I I lift and I do strength and conditioning three times a week um okay. uh just so and, and the great thing is that I have a, a trainer that, you know, always like one of the first things we do is she, when I get there, she always asks how I'm feeling or like what's my schedule awesome. today so that, so that if she needs to tailor, she, she could tailor. And like, if I'm training jujitsu that day, like Mondays are really like a lot of, in terms of quantity. So, yeah. uh, so that like, we might not have a big conditioning, uh, portion that day so that I won't be over over exerted by the time I come back at night to to train jujitsu again 
That's awesome. I love that you have that support system that is aware professionally like that, because mm-hmm. that's a concept I talk about a lot. And the listeners, I'm sure I've heard this and I've exhausted about this, but this is like what I call training undulation. And it's basically mm-hmm. varying intensities of your training throughout the week. So as you were explaining that, I was kind of like noting it. And I was like, yeah, you have like about three really intense days a week. You know, mm-hmm. you're still doing jujitsu other days, but it's like moderately intense. Then you have some lighter days and a full day off. And that is the way to really prevent burnout from happening and be able mm-hmm. to consistently progress um, without just your physical or, you know, mental health suffering in the process. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like you have a good balance there? Yeah. So part of it, I think I'm also young, really young right now. So my ability to like, just go, go, go is still like really great. But the things I was doing between jujitsu and back then I used to work a lot more in a restaurant. I used to be, uh, used to be a yeah. server or I worked at Costco as a stalker before. And, and just like finding that balance. And back then I used to do so much. And I was thinking even just like two years ago, I was like, I could not do all of that now. Like I'd be so tired and it's yeah. so crazy how much changes in a year with your, your body. And, um, and I mean, I've done all, I feel like I've done all the wrong things before and I've yeah. learned from that, like even through, you know, over, over training and, you know, yeah. getting surgeries and the result being overuse injuries and getting to the point where I need surgery for them. And it's, mm. uh, you know, so I, I feel like I've learned all, all how to do like things to the max the wrong way. And then now it's like being a smarter athlete, a more mature oh, athlete. That. So, and harder, not harder. And the fact that you're only 23 and you've been able to adopt that mindset makes me so happy. That's like what my mission is, is like to constantly teach people that. And, and often it's the younger, younger people and generation that have a harder time with that because they do have the energy. They do have, you know, that just like younger body to be able to push. But Mm -hmm. when you experience something like a surgery and then you find out it's from overuse, it starts Mm -hmm. to shift your mindset and give you a reality check. Like, well, if I want to do this for the rest of my life and I have big goals that I haven't yet achieved, maybe I should start adjusting my approach, you know, so that I can do this and reach those other goals. And maybe it's not, you know, going 110% 24-7 really is the way to get there. Exactly. It's the quality. I I, I definitely agree. Quality over quantity. And it still produces if not better results in the end and you're just happy about it. I think yeah. the thing um, I've talked to like I enjoy the process. Yeah, exactly. Like this is a marathon. Like if you're like a professional athlete, it's a marathon. You try to last as long as you can because you know your lifespan as a professional competitor is only so long. So how do you extend that as much as possible? And talking to um um, some other competitors, I know some other teammates like uh, Amanda Bruce, she's from Autos HQ. And we were talking about the, the Rutolos and like they do so much, but man, like they're those, those guys are like, they're so happy all the time. She's like, they're never not happy. And I think that's why it, this works so well for them, even yeah. though they're doing so much is like, they love what they're doing. And it's yeah. so, and I feel like I'm on the right path because it's like, okay, yes, I love what I do. I've never felt like the, to the point where it's just like, I don't want to do this again because it's just so much. Um, yeah. So I feel like I'm doing something right in the sense yeah. of 
and like you said having that like you know professional support system um whether it's you know strength trainer nutritionist and like having an awesome coaching staff is just it makes it makes so much of a difference 100 percent, yeah awesome and um i'd love to talk a little bit about your mindset toward competition this is constantly something that is in our world working with athletes is the mindset toward competition so i'd love to know a little bit about how you prepare mentally for competing and especially at the high levels like doing the adcc doing um you know IBJJF black belt and do you go in with a specific you know mental plan or strategy like how do you approach that um i, I i'd say first like that um, what might work for me won't work for everyone else. So it's just like always trying to find what best works for for you as an individual, you as an athlete. Um, and it you know might be some trial and error in that. But for me, I feel I feel most comfortable when I know I've best prepared myself through training, through you know diet, through sleep and all the most important things that like an athlete needs so of course like again like the studying my opponents that just makes me feel more prepared and it actually makes me feel more comfortable than nervous is that yeah. okay i know we have a game plan i could stick to it um and then even if if even if there's no footage for someone um like they just don't have any footage on them then I just try to apply my pace, my game, and just be ready, being adaptable. And I just stay in the moment um, as much as possible uh, and, you know, being very coachable in that, in that sense. But uh, what I try to do is that um, uh, I, my mental prep before is I actually try to, like the day of the competition, uh, I'm, I'm pretty nervous. I feel like there's always nerves leading up to it. And it's like, yes, I've been competing for like over a decade, but there's always going to be nerves. I feel like it's part of, it's a normal, it's a normal part of, you know, uh, a life. And it's, it's almost like your body priming itself for war. It's like, okay, 100%. we're getting ready. Like we're getting ready to do something big. Yeah. <laughs> so like everything's starting to get amped up, but I think it's, it's like, your ability to manage uh, manage those nerves and use it as fuel, um, yes. uh, fuel and like having a great warm up and stuff um, beforehand, like makes the difference between having an adrenaline dump your very first match or like yes. having a performance that you even surprise yourself with. You're like, oh wow, like I didn't even know that I could do all that. And yeah. uh, I actually I take a nap to calm down before competition. I'll actually, I'll get to the competition area, like for IBJJF tournaments, it's just like such a big, big stage. There's so many athletes. So I get there and you never know, I might run early. So I, I kind of get there almost like two hours beforehand and then see how everything is lining up in the matches and see where my time is. And then I'll, I'll just kind of lay down and close my eyes for maybe 20, 30 minutes because I think I, I like tire myself out from being nervous. Yeah. Too. So I kind of need to like reset and just like calm down. And then after that, I'll start when I, um, I actually warm up for like an hour or so. 
and I'll, I'll start with moving my body, stretching, uh, dynamic stretching, stuff like that, so that um, by the time I get into the meat part of the uh, actual warm-up, like the jiu-jitsu part of the warm-up, I'm, I'm ready to go, and I make sure that I'm, like, uh, I'm basically sweaty before, and, like, yeah. I'm warm. I'm very, like, warm before I actually go in to go get weighed in, and then go sit around and try to stay warm for a lot longer in the bullpen (laughs) so that's like uh that's usually that's my my routine for awesome yeah I think it's so important to make sure that your body is warm and the like you said it's going to look different for everyone some people you know only need a shorter amount of time and really trial and error is the only way to find what works for you but definitely getting your body warm before that that is going to be so helpful and one of the things that you mentioned that I like that I speak to a lot is this idea of like like you said there's always going to be nerves it's a normal part of somebody about to attack you and wanting to break your legs and choke yeah. you like I think you be a little nervous yes yeah, not you might be a sociopath yeah. <laughs> um but what I like to say is that the energy of anxiety which is usually what we're feeling that anxiousness mm. is the same energy in the body as excitement it's mm. just two sides of the same coin And I feel like that really is like the mental edge that helps me particularly, but really instead of allowing those nerves to consume you, can you shift into being excited for what you're about to do because you prepared for it because you have this opportunity versus like just letting the anxiousness of the fear of failure or, you know, all the unknowns, you know, be what's going to drive your intention and, you know, your mindset when you step on that mat. And it's like recognizing those things and then doing whatever you need to do to shift that energy and recognize that, you know, you can channel it into an excitement instead of an anxiety. And then that alone just completely reshifts your mindset and reframes everything and can really put you in a better space as you're warming up and everything. I definitely agree. Just like, yeah, it's like a, having a positive mindset and I try to surround myself with people who are very positive thinking and it, it makes a difference I it, I definitely think it makes a difference it's made a difference in my daily life too having yeah. being surrounded by so many positive people it's just like okay we're all on the train to success and if it's like um and it, it, you can just feel it when someone's negative and stuff. It's yeah. like almost like a dark cloud and it's yeah. like, oh, I don't like, I don't like yeah. this. You know, yeah. Definitely changes for, you know, from when you're all those unknowns that you're talking about. It's like, it's pot. And what I'm thinking is like positive unknowns. Like what if I, what yeah. if I, yeah. What if I, what if I just like destroy my opponent rather than yeah. like, oh, I'm going to get caught in that arm bar again. Or oh, I love that reframe. So important. It's like, um, it's almost like what uh, my coach and husband usually tell me is like, instead of, you know, why, why me? Why not me? Yeah, exactly. Like, why exactly. not me? Right. Like yeah, why exactly. not me be the champion? Why exactly. not me win the match? We 100%. put so much like of our faith in the other person. And that faith yeah. really needs to be directed to ourselves. <laughs> 100%. Yeah, it's like you you got to trust and and trust in your, you know, your camp, your everything that you've done leading up to it is going to be why you it's your it's like you you should definitely win. Like there's no other reason than that and it's just yeah. it's so funny cuz when I was younger, uh Steve Steve Mitchell, he would he when I was uh like, you know, nervous, he's like 
and I, this is like 11 year old Alex or something. And he's just like, I just want you to go in there and beat that girl's ass. Like you just fucking beat that girl's ass. And he was very like explicit yeah. about it. And I'm just like, okay, I'm going to do it. <laughs> like, and so I feel like he instilled that, like that mentality of like, like you can do it. It doesn't matter who steps across the ring. Yeah. Like he could give less craps about who who that who who's yeah. standing next to you, whether it's an Olympian or whoever. But yeah. it's like you could do it. No. Yeah, I love that. So last question before we shift gears a little bit. We talked a little bit about the balance that you have. Um, but how do you go about creating balance in other aspects of your life? Because being a full-time athlete, you know sometimes they say, you know, unless you have the right support system, you know, success can sometimes be lonely at the top. There's a lot of sacrifices you make when you decide to go into being a full-time athlete because your training really does take high priority. So things like relationships that you're in or friendships, you know, how have you balanced that? Yeah. Everything from, I feel like you just have them all join jujitsu. Exactly. And then it's like, all right, if you like jujitsu, then we can be friends. Other than that, I'm sorry. I don't have a lot of time. So yeah, it's just like everything it like jujitsu, fitting jujitsu and training and everything revolving around training is easy for me because it's like what I've chosen, but everything else around that is is like, that's the hard part, you know, but with fully committing to pursuing jujitsu as like uh, a career, I've just made everything revolve around my training schedule and everything in in jujitsu in general um thankfully I've gotten to a point where um financially like the work that I used to I used to work at a restaurant like on weekends all the time and like I was like a part-time server I'd take part-time jobs whatever would help that whatever was easy to request off just in case I have to hop on a plane and go compete and stuff but um now I've been able to fortunately uh uh teach more at the gym take on more uh, regular privates, trying to find different ways of like, you know, passive income to, and like I, I just recently, Faye and I just started this Atlanta Jiu-Jitsu brand and stuff that, uh, that I'm really trying to focus on maybe the merchandise and uh, some seminars that, uh, that um, I might get into a little bit later. Uh, yeah, we'll definitely talk about it. Yeah, yeah uh, to, you know, help, financially fund myself as you know as an athlete so that you know I could live the way that like live the jujitsu lifestyle but I'm also bougie to the point where like I'm a big foodie and I love to eat out and I love to cook and well I I love fake cooks and I love to eat whatever she cooks and stuff and so yeah and in terms of relationships I'm actually um my girlfriend is Faye and um and I met her through jujitsu when I was when I was actually 15 and she was uh she's 19 we're like five, five years apart and so we we became really close friends then and then it's so funny we I, I actually tell like all my friends that we just like manage it's like yeah she's she groomed me she waited till I was like 18 <laughs> and so she's wait. she waited till I was old enough you know <laughs> and she's like oh my gosh you gotta stop telling people that and I was like well now it's gonna be on a podcast <laughs> 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 but 
Um, but yeah, like it, it kind of just worked out. Like she was my best friend uh, for a really long time because of like, you know, we had the same interests. Like oh. we want to be professional athletes. So it just so happens like we you get to spend a lot of times uh, time with those the people who choose the same things as you. So yeah. it, it just kind of worked out that way. And I, I still try to keep in touch with, you know, my friends from like high school and stuff, but definitely like because of chosen this, everything kind of revolves around this. And 100%. What's even, yeah, what's even better is that um, um, Master Roberto Travin, um, he, uh, uh, I, I love that man. He's amazing. Him and Professor Bruno are very close. Uh, um, and our teams actually cross train together all the time. Um, so it's really cool to see that, like, you know, they're very uh, new school in that thinking of like, it's, it's okay to cross train yeah. and, and they're trying to make, um, trying to make Atlanta like a bigger scene. Like we have a lot yeah. of people we try, I think we're starting, Atlanta's starting to become more and more noticed with some of our uh, standout athletes. And there's a lot of them here. And it's just, yeah. now we're starting to, you know, take, you know, take from each gym, like 10th Planet Atlanta or ATT with the, the Ardillas and stuff. And, and it, it's, it's awesome to see this cross training because I'm, we're learning so much from everybody and yeah. Master Trav and it's, he's, he's awesome because like he sends, uh, he sends me and a bunch of his, a uh, bunch of his athletes, motivational uh, videos and quotes and memes every single day through Instagram. And it's oh, amazing. It's, yeah, it's amazing. It's like, it like, it motivates me. And it's like, yes, like, I want to do good because of you because, <laughs> because of him. He's like, um, I forget how old he is, how old he is, but he just got his, um, his coral belt. So yeah. that just goes to show how, like how long he's been in jujitsu. And, it, yeah. and it's, it's so awesome to have someone like that. And like, have someone like that believe in you and then yeah. say yes you are on the right track this yeah because this yeah. is what he's made out of his life you know? yeah exactly yeah so cool so in the topic of um gyms and things like that switching gears a little bit we mentioned that you recently did switch gyms from your childhood gym to the autos atlanta and this is a huge question and conversation that is constantly going on in this space of finding the right gym people and athletes switching gyms all the time to find the right fit for themselves. So I'd love to know how your transition was in changing gyms and any tips or advice you could give athletes looking to transition gyms, um, you know, what to look for and what to, you know, in a good way. And then also the red flags. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I ended up switching gyms around COVID, uh, and it was only because, and I've been with knuckle up since the very beginning, since 10 years old, I, went through all the belts from kids belts all the way to brown belt under Steve Mitchell. And, um, it, it was like heartbreaking. I think if you've grown up in a gym, it's, it's never difficult. It's never an easy thing to just up and leave that and then switch, switch everything completely, everything that you were so used to. And, um, it was partially because, um, I just, um, when COVID hit, you know, everybody's lives, you know, they really got to sit down and think like, what, what do you want to do with your life and all yeah. that? And so I had a lot of, I had a, a little group of training partners. And then, you know, as after COVID, it's just like, okay, they were going to like focus on, you know, 
just work and and jobs and and I was like oh I thought we're gonna do jujitsu forever man <laughs> it, was, it was us it was us guys but yeah. I like you know I totally understand like you know life life goes on and whatever they need to do and and so it was tough to have my consistent group of training partners it was just like me and Faye and um and and also uh, Steve at the time um he was uh starting a family he wasn't sure if he could have been a full-time anymore so it it really I had those conversations with him earlier because I was living around in the Marietta area already because of school at Life University um and then I was driving by and I was like there's an auto sign over this over this building that just popped up like what is that and then I realized that Bruno Frazzato had opened a gym he was starting there and during COVID um we started um I um asking for uh privates just because he was open and everywhere yeah. else was closed and stuff and so we were able to do that and and I love learning for him from him I really believe in his jujitsu and I um I, I just like believe in him uh completely and so I had the conversations with Steve about like possibly switching gyms and I think for someone who is thinking about switching gyms I think having that open line of communication is the best way with um you know, all the parties involved so yeah. that, you know, I try not to burn bridges. I think exactly. if I could avoid burning bridges, that's the best way, especially if like you weren't ever really wronged by yeah. the initial party. There's no, there's no reason to. Um, and I think, uh, um, yeah, like I, I, I kept, I've always had an open line of communication with Steve. He's like my jujitsu dad. And yeah. still to this day, uh, we talk, almost every day um like he keeps up with my jujitsu and stuff and he still teaches at the at knuckle up too so it's it's cool to see it was definitely heartbreak or heartbreaking broke breaking to to switch gyms but I think in the so far I've, I've really been able to reap the benefits of having uh you know uh, a coach like like Bruno Frazzato who's yeah. so who's such a student to the game even though he's like a legend in the sport and yeah. it's so it's motivating to see for a young athlete to be like okay I need to if he continues studying so much like every day like his his daily lifestyle is so much jujitsu and yeah. this is what I need to be successful and he's lived that then I could just it's almost like you could copy and paste yeah exactly yeah so you don't gotta reinvent the wheel you have a model and an example that could exactly. just show you the way mm -hmm, exactly so um that's awesome yeah, I think in terms of you know switching gyms that open line of communication trying not to burn bridges and yeah. you know trying to see what you know best fits for you and um and uh I wasn't you know 100% sure on like what whether to to switch gyms or do another gym or whatever but you know I took my time throughout the process I think it wasn't uh, I didn't like sign up at Autos right away it was like maybe like a few months in limbo of like trying to figure out and cross training at other gyms too um but I was just open with everyone yeah. and you know and I think that led to the led to 
everything, the switch being easier because yes. I said like, this is ABC, what I, what I want out of my career and stuff. And uh, this is what I need. So um, what, who's, where is the best, yeah. best for me to go? And I even talked to that with Steve and I know it was like heartbreaking for him because of course he's just like, it deep inside, he wants me to stay with him and all that, but him being like, you know, him understanding this is like, this is what I want out of my career. He was, fortunately, I had like, I, he was, um, you know, he was a great uh, person, great person, role model about, you know, being honest and open about yeah. how he felt and what he thought was best for me too so I think the it just process. made the process a lot easier when you have uh, a positive support system you know? 100% that's so beautiful I love that and I love that you took your time in that transition and didn't feel pressure because mm. you get that itch of like I need to train and it's like yeah, exactly. I need to find and establish and find stability somewhere yeah. it's like you don't want to just hop around every month because you didn't find the right spot. So giving yourself yeah. that time, because it is a big life transition, like making mm -hmm. any big decision in life, you want to give yourself time to really make sure that you have the right one. So having that support system and that good modeling is just a great, a great thing for, you know, athletes to have and cultivate if they don't have it, you know, so that they can feel supported in making decisions like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'd love to dive a little bit deeper as we wrap up here, just quickly into, because it's been coming up for you very recently, um, maybe because you're becoming more known and you're, you're killing it on the competition scene. Um, but I know that you've received like criticism around your gender and we wanted to talk about that a little bit. Mm -hmm. And cause you were open about that, but how's that like affected you? Has that been something that was, was long ongoing, like your whole life, or is it mainly just recent? And like, how have you been navigating those things um, as you more in the spotlight? Yeah, so I think it was more so uh, like a thing whenever I won something bigger, and yeah. like, and so and it would just be mostly on social media uh, yeah. because it's like if you know flow grappling or IBJJF post something and 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 like to someone who doesn't know me and stuff, yeah, I could see how maybe I I look a little I look a little boyish and then they're like oh that's a that's a dude going against a girl and so yeah. I could see where they're coming from. But it's just like, I I think it's more so the people that do know me already like address it so much and like super hard to where, or like, I don't feel like I, I need to even explain myself because yeah. it's so funny. Even Faye, Faye will like go at them so hard and that they'll block Faye and then she'll go on our, on on our dog's page and then start messaging them to, and, and so uh it's just like I have the you know and then my friends from the gym just like everybody they're just like no she's she's a girl she's a pilot she was born born a girl everything it's just like you know I'm just boyish so yeah uh but yeah like uh I think it was just more so around like the bigger tournaments but I don't think it's ever been a problem before um and uh, not not a problem in wrestling when I wrestled in like college or anything but I do know like even in college that's happened to some of my teammates who are a little bit more guyish and then coaches will be like oh no like she's super strong I'm pretty sure that's a dude like test get get her test yeah. to the point where they're like asking them to get tested and uh, um, like that individual will have to get um, all these 
drug tests like all the time and it's like no she's she's a girl <laughs> like she's just really like she's just really fit and you know yeah. like, um but I feel like being a a female athlete just in general um there's always a, a lot of criticisms yeah in every sport about like the small stuff and all that but um yeah I think uh well like you said as you becoming more successful it just unfortunately it's like it does expose us to the people who are behind the scenes who aren't stepping on the mats putting their life on the line and they just board warriors you know yeah. it's easier to type some words on a computer screen to make them feel better about themselves mm-hmm. you know and just like start drama um but they're not really the the ones the man in the arena or the woman yeah. in the arena they're not the ones doing it oftentimes but yeah. but i'm I'm really happy to hear that you do have like a support system again, that is willing to stand up for you too. And, you know, nip those things in the butt before they spiral. Yeah. Awesome. So finally, I would love to wrap up with you talking about this new seminar brand that you created Atlanta Jitsu. So I'd love for you to dive into telling us about the purpose and mission of that. Yeah. So I originally had started. So, um, this LLC because, um, because I needed to anyways, if I wanted to, um, to, you know, grow my brand and stuff. And, um, Faye and I are looking to buy a house in maybe a year or two. And so we talked to like an accountant and she's like, you should have an LLC. And I was like, I should, I should. (laughs) So, uh, I started that as Atlanta Jujitsu was originally just for my personal brand for privates and seminars for myself like it um but I but it uh, as later down the road I kind of thought like hey like I had that idea um I actually my my I had a sponsor manager and he gave me the idea of like you should start doing like local seminars and stuff every once in a while kind of like how they do girls and geese or whatever just to get your brand out and stuff and just to reach out to more people in where where already you live and then I kind of just like I was like that's a great idea and I kind of just took off with it I was like why don't we just like keep uh trying to grow help other people grow as well and so um the Atlanta Jiu-Jitsu became like we're having our inaugural seminar on November 12th at Bring It On Yoga Studio in Virginia Highlands and so the plan yeah so the the mission is to help uh all small businesses and local businesses grow together whether it's like jujitsu related or or not it could be anything in the fitness industry any kind of sports health health related and whatnot to help uh help them grow and expand their brand to uh maybe a different community that they're not they've never even thought about like jujitsu so yeah so i'm trying to yeah so i'm trying to as far as the um so do they benefit by just holding your seminar essentially and using their marketing and stuff like that? Or do the portion of the proceeds go to you and then them to kind of build both together? Yeah. So the first, this first inaugural seminar, we're kind of like playing around with what helps both parties the best. And yeah. so I've talked to different, uh, uh, brands so far, whether it's clothing brands, um, you know, foods and, um, 
other things that like they're very they're fairly new and I asked them like if you wanted to take part of it in a way that um like maybe they'll hand out the like discount cards or whatever to the seminar attendees so that you know the seminar attendees aren't just getting jujitsu they're also getting like some freebies discounts and stuff and they're like oh like what's this place like oh this is uh, a new chiropractor I've never heard of like some yeah. other stuff that like they never even uh, heard of so the goal is to not have it at just jiu-jitsu gyms because I I want to try to veer away from any kind of politics that might uh, people some people might feel uncomfortable with like going to this gym or that gym and for some reason um, um so first one's yoga studio we might do next one at like a brewery I'm trying to do um incorporate different uh different sports too like whether um whether it's wrestling or judo or you know a different practice yoga rock climbing stuff like that so it doesn't always have to be a, a jujitsu based um seminar it can kind of I be love that. Uh, a mix of things but at the same time trying to help all the communities all the fitness and health communities grow so i, I hope that. it's gonna work out well i'm getting we're getting great response for this first one we'll see how this first one goes on november 12th there's still spots for people to sign up so if they want to sign up they could go to our Instagram page at Atlanta Jiu-Jitsu. Um, and there's all the information, the list of like the current sponsors of uh, different people that are um, in for that one. And so I'm excited. <laughs> cool, super cool. We'll definitely be putting that in the show notes so people can check that out um, and support you if they're in that local area. And then for those who would love to connect with you. Do you offer, what's the best way to connect with you? And do you offer any other privates or like you said, coaching services or privates that, you know, whether that's in-person only or virtual, you know, in case other people are interested in diving deeper with you? Yeah, of course. Um, whether you reach out to me through the Atlanta Jiu-Jitsu page on Instagram or my personal Instagram at a Enriquez 218, um, you could just shoot me a DM or, email me at, at uh, Atlanta Jiu Jitsu at gmail.com. And I'm open to in-person privates and um, virtual, virtual privates, virtual coaching lessons, anything of the sort that you think that you need help with the Jiu Jitsu, whether it's watching film with you and uh, dissecting your game, anything along the sorts. So I'm open to it all and love helping. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. That's so awesome. You're such a beautiful soul. And it was so amazing to have you on here. I'm so happy for all of your success that has already happened and all that's to come. And um, you're such a positive light and force in this community. So I'm so happy that we were able to meet and connect and you're coming on to the podcast. And for those of you listening, if there's any takeaways or downloads or insights that you really enjoyed Tag us on social media at Body by Boss LLC and share this episode with a friend, especially those who, you know, are maybe in your gym and they desire to embark on this lifestyle, like we said, and maybe take it to the next level. You know, seeing other athletes taking those leaps and figuring it out along the way can be inspiring to really just 
and maybe just give peace of mind that like it is a possibility for you. It's not out of the question, no matter where you are in life, it can, it can definitely be a possibility for you. You just got to take action and, and run with it and be willing to adapt and learn along the way. So thank you so much, Alex, for spending this time with us and we'll see you in the next episode. Yes. Thank you, Natty. Thank you. Bye for now, guys. Thank you.